0: Welcome to ECHO, the podcast where we share our personal perspectives on questions about God, spirituality, and the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I'm Ryan Becker, your host. No matter who you are, we hope that you find value and encouragement through real discussions about real things. Let's jump in. This episode of the ECHO podcast is sponsored by Southern Adventist University. Hey everyone, welcome to Echo. I am your host, Ryan, and I'm glad that you're joining us. We like to talk about questions and faith issues that young adults have. And today, I think, out of most of our episodes, is probably one of the most Adventist centric, while most of the questions that we ask uh, deal with kind of general faith questions. The, this one is specific to Ellen White and, and Seventh-day Adventism. So if you are someone outside of our faith, well, welcome to some of the, uh, some of the conversation in Adventism. And uh, to those of you in Adventism, welcome to a normal conversation. So <laughs> um, I'm excited because I'm joined by two really great, uh, really great friends of mine and, and really great people, uh, Joe Peretti and Ryan Ashlock. So let's go ahead and, and just start with an introduction. Joe, why don't you tell us who you are?
1: Uh, hi, it's really nice to be here. Uh, my name is Joe Peretti. I'm a pastor in Raleigh, North Carolina. Sweet.
2: And Ryan? So, yeah, great to be here. I pastor an Adventist church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Awesome.
1: So
0: um, today is one that—today is a topic that uh, I have had to wrestle with a lot. I know a lot of people in my you know generational shoes have had to wrestle with a lot, and that is the entire topic of Ellen White— um, the, the idea that, that we regard her as a prophet. And um, the reason this has been such an issue is not necessarily that we regard her as a prophet, but that um, the way that her writings and her words have been used um, throughout, especially the last several decades, I would say, um, has caused a lot of people to turn away um, or to kind of you know completely ignore her and what's funny is i think even if even if you come to the conclusion that you don't think she is a prophet um she still has a lot of really powerful words and and teachings that i think are i mean are just as valid as any random pastor writing a book like you know what i mean like even if she's not even if you don't consider her a prophet so to speak um she's still an author with something to say and I think she says a lot and, and has done a lot for the history of the Adventist Church and and understanding and being able to interact with her in a healthy way is really important. And I say that to, you know, step into the experience of someone who really doesn't know how to how to wrestle with this. For me, she was someone who was kind of crammed down my throat the amount of times even now that I hear sermons where or I see diatribes on Facebook or Twitter where someone is quoting Ellen White endlessly and there's not a hint of scripture there. Um and there's, there's no, um, she is the substance or she's seen as equal or greater than equal to or greater than the Bible. Um, and it, it just turns me off to it. It turned me off to Adventism. It turned me off to, um, it turned me off to faith at one point as well as like, if this is Christians, like, you know, I did grow up Adventist, so I didn't have the broad spectrum view of Christianity. And, um, then um, and just I was like, I don't want to read her either. If this is what she has to say and I have to live this way, then I don't, you know. Um, so let's talk about, you know, what what do I do with Ellen White and and, and, and how do I how do I treat her writings and, and her personhood and and her prophetic gift? So um, let's start with kind of where you guys are at, where, you know, your history with Ellen White and, and her writings and, and what you're kind of where you are now as far as the way you regard her. Joe, you want to kick us off? Sure. He says reluctantly. (laughs) Uh,
1: Unlike you, I've been an Adventist for six years. So Mm. I remember the very first time I heard of her, her name, and anything of her writings. And I really was um, very apprehensive um, at best. Uh, But what amazed me or made me willing to read about her was actually not so much what she had to say, but the effect that she had on the person giving me the Bible studies. Hmm. Uh, So it was his relationship and his uh, benefits that he gained from her that made me willing and open to actually even try to read her. Uh, So it was a little bit different. Uh, Then afterwards, then I kind of started reading. I started with Steps of Christ uh, and that's been my favorite book ever since. Uh, I kind of try to read that once or twice every year. Um, but that experience itself, just watching how he benefited from her, sim- similar to like how s- some Christians may read Sarah Young or um, Oswald Chambers or, you know, whoever you want to read. That's what he just said, hey, this is just a good author that is helping me. And I just started reading and I was like, OK, this is pretty cool.
0: Cool. Um, what was the first book that you jumped into with her? Do you remember? It was Steps to Christ. It was Steps to Christ. Yeah, did you mention Steps. that and I just missed it? Yeah, you totally did. OK, just, cool. It's like one your head. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Um, I've gotten, I hunch, so, you know, it's easy for people to. Ah, uh, uh, there you go. That's what happens when you slouch. Uh, Ryan, what about you? Where are you at?
2: So, I grew up in an Adventist family going to Adventist church. I, I can remember going to Sabbath school, and uh, the flannel board was one of the teaching tools the teacher would use. And so, there'd be the story of creation with little flannels of the animals and the trees and stuff. And there was actually a flannel set of Ellen White's life. And I can remember as a little kid in Sabbath school at some point, You know, somebody putting a little flannel cradle up there because she, as a young person, uh, far beyond the baby stage, you know, had this accident and got sick, and she's in this cradle, and so we're learning these stories about her life. So, I mean, I I feel like I grew up with Ellen White. Mm. Um, And never really developed a distaste for Ellen White, like so many people do. I I don't feel like it was shoved down my throat as I was growing up. Now, as a pastor, I've dealt with some people— well-meaning church members, whether they belong to my particular congregation or another, who have um, come at me sometimes with long lists of strung together Ellen White quotes that uh, that can be quite disheartening to uh, to to deal with because usually, well, I, I'd go so far as to say almost always when somebody strings together a list of Ellen White quotes, it's not true to her original meaning or the context that she intended.
0: Mm. Yeah um it is I, I think the other the other end of this is is the uh, is the the inherent belief that everything a prophet says by virtue of them being a prophet makes it prophetic or makes it straight from god and there's the misunderstanding that yeah I, and so we've done this where where we have a lot of ellen white writings of like letters or articles that are not necessarily meant to be prophetic as in like direct words from God, but they were letters of counsel that she may have given to a friend or someone who's asked for help um, that was meant for that specific person's situation or were meant for the context of, of the time that she's in. And I think there's a reluctance of people to kind of read Ellen White and understand that we do have to treat her within cultural context as well of, of the culture she was in. And they think, well, that's what we already do with the Bible. Why do we have to treat the same as the Bible? And I think, no, you have to treat that. You have to treat literally any book or piece of media. You're not going to judge <laughs> like um, Citizen Kane, a movie in, made in black and white and, you know, on film, in, I forget when that movie released, 30s, 40s, 50s, I don't know. But um, one of the best movies of all time, regarded as one of the greatest movies of all time. You don't regard that and and do it by 2019 standards of image and CGI and technology. Same deal. Like you don't look at old media of any form and you shouldn't be looking at Ellen White and thinking that because she said, don't buy a bicycle one time um, or don't go to the theater, (laughs) which the theater was a very different thing then versus now. And um, so you do have to look at principles and understanding what um, what the context is and what she's saying. Um, What do you think? um, What do you? One of the the issues, and I I pointed this out, is that people are elevating her beyond what she wanted even to be elevated as. Right. So, um, what are some reasons that you think people are doing that? What are the reasons that we kind of? Do you think that there are people who do? cram her down others' throats and preach only her instead of the Bible and things like that. I I don't think I've ever really thought about that question, so um, I don't. I, this is the first time I've asked it for sure. So what do you guys think?
2: I've certainly had that discussion with people before. Um, for instance, I had somebody ask me, uh, do I believe that Ellen White's gift and the visions that she, she received followed the same kind of pattern that the biblical prophets received their visions and messages. Hmm. And, you know, I've looked at the evidence, and it seems, yeah, probably the same kind of thing. I mean, God, I'm sure, deals with each individual person uniquely, but he's still given dreams and visions and messages. And Ellen White said angels came to her and all kinds of stuff that we see in the Bible. And so if it's the same kind of dynamic taking place, why isn't she given the same authority as the biblical prophets? So that was the question that uh, Hmm. somebody asked me once. So I think a lot of people think that through, and they're like, "Well, same thing, same authority."
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, and I think, well, what's funny is too, we have evidence in in even in scripture of a prophet being wrong, but speaking on behalf of God. And, and the specific instance I'm thinking of is, um, I believe it's Second Samuel. It's either seven or seventeen, but I'm pretty sure it's seven because I. I, mean, I don't even think Second Samuel goes up that high, but I could be wrong. Um, <laughs> I'm sure like does, totally yeah. blanking right now, but I'm pretty sure it's Second Samuel 7. But it's David who's, who's um, thinking about all the conquests and wars and things and, and travels, and he says, man, I have this, this amazing palace that I live in, and God's ark uh, is in a tent. You know, I have this, this awesome place, and so I'll build a home or a temple for God. And Nathan, the prophet Nathan, says to him, the Lord is with you. Go do it. Then that night, like literally the next sentence is that <laughs> night Nathan was awoken by God, and God's like, Yeah, no, I didn't. I, nope, I'm good. The whole, the entire reason I'm in that tent is because I want to go where the people are. I don't want the people to have to come to me. And he says, And then he says, Go and tell David that no, it's actually not you that will build me a house. It's I will, and then he turns it prophetic, like prophetic towards um, messianic. And he says, No, I will make a house, a great house for you in your name. Um, and, and, um, and flips it completely. But it was this instance of Nathan, the prophet, clearly saying, like, the Lord is with you, but him being wrong. Like, <laughs> God should have been like, no, 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 I didn't mean that at all. Um, and it, it, it is interesting to see. Um, I'm not saying that Ellen White is wrong, necessarily, but the idea that it's not the prophet that we put the faith in. It's the God behind the prophet. It's, the, it's, it's Jesus that we put our faith in. And, um, and, it is a it is very much in her words I would say this a lesser light pointing to a greater light, um, but that's an interesting thing. Of yeah, if she's a prophet and she definitely mm-hmm. has the same authority as scripture. I, I I I get that that reasoning I suppose.
1: Well, when it comes to Ellen White, uh, you mentioned certain genres of her writings. You, you mentioned um, you know compilations. There's certain yeah. areas, but one area that I see a lot of, uh, at least my members. I'm not sure how how it is for you is that they also overlooked that she was an editor for a local newspaper. Uh, So even in her writings, when you look through her writings, there are certain things that it was her work as an editor, where she just went and compiled different clippings Mm -hmm. from other places and put them together. So when it comes to understanding Ellen White, I think it also boils down to how do you see um, the way that a prophet communicates? Uh, because not always what she wrote was directly like a revelation spoken by God, but rather it was the Holy Spirit also guiding her to the best information available, kind of a compiler, sort of like Luke. Uh, Luke did the same thing where he went out to the eyewitnesses and found sayings that were attributed to Jesus and stories attributed to Jesus, and then he put them together uh, to the best of his ability. So Ellen White is also in that same role. Where now when we read her writings and if there is something usually you go to health or science, if there's something that doesn't match up to what science has revealed today, it doesn't mean or it doesn't mean that she's not a prophet or negates it. But maybe what she was doing in that time was a editor trying to put together the mm-hmm. best that she had in that time to communicate a principle. So when we begin to see that, it makes it a little bit yeah. easy
2: when you read Ellen White. I, I've never heard that, that Ellen White was an editor for a newspaper, so it makes me curious to go look that up. But certainly, I'm, I'm familiar with the concept you're talking about where she would sometimes borrow. And there have been some extensive studies done on this where, you know, modern, recent times, people have gone back and compared her writing, say, in The Desire of Ages, with other people who wrote about the life of Christ, books that she had in her library to try to see, you know, how much did she actually borrow? And and it's actually not that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely she did borrow, but usually it was not like she would take a whole paragraph. It was like she'd take part of a sentence or, or she'd take some of the wording, or she'd sometimes borrow some of the structure, but she'd change the wording. So she was definitely relying on some sources, but she was putting her own twist on things. And um, they're beautiful writings. I mean, you you read the, the, the things she was borrowing from, and then you read what she wrote, and uh, I mean my opinion, but she's got the the greater work of literature as a result <laughs> uh, of the work and the inspiration that she received.
0: Hmm. I um, it is. It, I think I think you both bring up excellent points, and I think the literary borrowing versus copyright you know, or, or mm-hmm. is is a big conversation in Adventism. And we're not avoiding that conversation. It's just that's a bigger conversation than oh, what yeah. a typical Echo episode allows. So <laughs> if anyone wants to research that, they're more than welcome oh, yeah. to. And I would check out the book Ellen White Under Fire by uh, Judd Lake as a good place to start there. Um, but um, I think my... Okay, let's just... I just want to ask this point blank, right? If I'm a church member, I don't. Th- I don't believe she's a prophet. Can I still be Adventist?
1: Do you want to take this one?
2: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, The standard for becoming a Seventh-day Adventist, or being a Seventh-day Adventist, is is expressed in the baptismal vows. Mm. And you read through the baptismal vows, there's no mention of Ellen White. Now, in those vows, you do, in order to be an Adventist, you have to agree, and, and there's kind of some interesting language there, you have to believe that in spiritual gifts, the idea that the because there are some Christians who actually believe that, you know, like the gift of prophecy and the gift of teaching and the gift of apostleship Mm -hmm. and all of that died with the the original apostles. Yeah. So as an Adventist, you have to believe that the Spirit of God is still active in the world and still giving gifts to people. So you're at least open to the idea that somebody could be a modern-day prophet. Yeah. That is a requirement for being an Adventist. You also, as an Adventist, have to believe, according to the baptismal vows— that, uh, that God has a particular prophetic purpose mm-hmm. for the Seventh-day Adventist Church that's found in the book of Revelation. And so part of that purpose has to do with a special message to give to the world at the end of time. And a lot of Adventists, of course, understand that Ellen White is part of that, yeah. but it's not made explicit. And, it's, and I, my honest feeling on this is that if Ellen White herself had not said, don't make me a test of fellowship, that by now we would have. (laughs) Mm. Because she is pretty highly regarded. Yeah, Almost every Adventist I know does accept her as an authoritative, um, not as authoritative as the Bible, but still authoritative. Um, But you do not have to believe that she was a true prophet in order to be an Adventist.
1: Well... Something that I I love that answer because I also believe the same thing where if you don't particularly believe that Ellen White was a prophet, you still can be part of the fellowship. And I was looking a little bit into this six years ago because I was curious uh, because the church I came into, there were certain voices that said, if you don't believe that Ellen White is a prophet, then you can't be part of us. Mm. So I began to study that a little bit and I was fascinated that the first generation Adventist all of them unanimous, unanimously said that she is not a test of fellowship. It's not up until she, after she died, after 1915, that you begin to have these arguments of people mm-hmm. saying, no, she is one, or if you don't accept her mm-hmm. writings, then she, you can't be part of an Adventist, because that's what makes us Adventist. Yeah. That's what makes us unique or distinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's interesting to see, like, yeah. even her husband, her sons, grand, grand, grandkids, uh, I can name, you know, Big Adventist um, pioneers, and all of them would say no. She is not a test of fellowship. Mm-hmm. But one thing that um, that they all say is that we need to admit and recognize the role and the gift of the Holy Spirit, uh, because that that for sure is something biblical. Yeah. So if we admit and say yes, there is gifts of the Holy Spirit, then that's okay. Yep.
0: And if you if you look at like the nineteen nineteen. Um... I think it was the 1919 mm-hmm. general conference too. There was there was conversations around that time of that 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 did call into question Ellen White's gift of prophecy um, from the denominational perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up getting through that deal, and it did involve someone else who claimed to be the next Ellen White right after Ellen White died. Yeah. Um, it did. There was a lot of stuff there that happened. But um, it, is, it is interesting to see that. And, and in response to what you guys are saying, I agree wholeheartedly. And I think one, one problem here is we misunderstand the role of prophecy and, the, 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 and what prophecy is. And we think you're a prophet because you can tell the future, but prophets were more instructional than anything. And even everything that was given fut- that was future-oriented, right, that like this will come to pass, was meant to drive present action, Mm-hmm. Right. It was either meant to a prophet could say this is going to happen unless you change now. <laughs> right. So, so many prophet, many prophecies were given with the explicit purpose of hopefully being wrong. They were a warning. Mm-hmm. But then others are saying, no, Jesus is coming soon. That should drive how you engage with social Justice and and how you engage with social conversations and 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 evangelism and outreach that should drive everything that you're doing. It's meant to impact your present reality. It's not just about if the prophecy in the future is true. It's what is that prophecy meant to encourage you to do now? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, Revelation 13 mentioning you know or or you know we believe it does mention. Um, or talk about the United States without specifically naming the United States playing a big role in prophecy. No one in John's time is going to understand that. No one in the, after the Council of Nicaea is going to understand that specifically. So um, it has to do something. All of that imagery and everything has to do something to impact the people that are reading it across, you know, throughout all of history. And the same with Ellen White. Most of her prophecy is meant to drive intentional Christian living and, and behavior now in response to a Jesus that we follow, mm-hmm. um, and that's really important. So um, thank you for that. Um, this is a this is kind of as we wrap up here, just two um, two questions in one. First of all, um, you know, do any of our beliefs rely on her, or can I find them just in the Bible? Do I need Ellen White to actually? you know, get to where we believe? And lastly, if I am cautiously interested in Ellen White, where do I start?
1: Well, I think when it comes to, to doctrines itself, to the beliefs that we have, um, you can find them solely in the Bible. We do not need Ellen White. Um, actually, as a matter of fact, every single time a doctrine came up, whether it was a Sabbath, whether it was tithing, whether it was health reform, whatever it was, uh, she actually didn't receive any visions. She didn't hear anything from God. Actually, one of the events, she actually thought that she lost the gift of prophecy. And it wasn't until the whole church agreed after a Bible study, after months of Bible study, that she then received the vision Hmm. saying, hey, yes, that is correct. Uh, And the only instance where there was a vision during the process of Bible study was for Sabbath, and she misunderstood the vision because the whole argument was whether what time it was whether it was sundown or if it was in the morning and she understood so t- something totally different and God had to give her the vision again so she can understand it but it didn't happen till much later into the Bible study process so I believe that every single doctrine you can find in the Bible and the, the other question I, I, I think the best place to start for Ellen White is Steps to Christ that is hmm. um, I swear by that book that book uh, like I said I read it Two three times a year, uh, it's it's easy reading, uh, and it just shows the heart uh, of the author for Jesus. It just shows her love for Jesus, wow. which I like. Yeah, awesome.
0: And then, um, what about you, Ryan?
2: Yeah, I love Steps to Christ as well. Um, some other great books would be Desire of Ages, um, Christ's Object Lessons. Yep, those are all you know great starting places. So, for people who are curious and just kind of want to check out Ellen White. Um, Start with those books, or just pick any of her writings, except for the compilations. Mm-hmm. You know go with anything that she actually wrote um, and published in her lifetime and and don't just read a paragraph or a sentence, <laughs> which is so often what people do. They'll string yeah. together a sentence from this source and a paragraph from another source. Read a whole chapter. Do yourself the service of reading a whole chapter of Ellen yeah. White.
0: Um, find the context for the quotes that have troubled you for so long. Um, and I, um, if anyone doesn't believe that any of our beliefs can be found through Scripture alone, just go ahead and look up the 28 fundamentals, because we actually list all the Scripture references for yes. them in the official Adventist beliefs. So um, that's not just a statement we're pulling out of thin air. That's verifiable. Mm-hmm. Um, you can pull them from from scripture. So, hey, thank you guys for coming on, um, for being a part of this conversation. Really appreciate it. And to those of you out there who are wrestling with um, with Ellen White or wrestling with um, her writings or how she's you know been crammed down your throat, um, I would say I understand. We understand that that pain um, and that that kind of tendency to. You know, recoil away from her, um, and you know, if you ever do get to the place, we hope that you've where you want to investigate a little bit more and dive back in. We hope that this serves as a good starting point for you. But blessings to you on your journey. We'll be praying for you, um, and hey, thanks for joining with us. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Echo. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay up to date with new episodes as we release them and for more awesome content from Project Refresh, a ministry of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Then go ahead and hit that subscribe button below. And don't forget to like and leave a comment. This episode of the Echo Podcast is sponsored by Southern Adventist University.